Get your charcuterie boards and your pens ready. The book club is in session. I'm Claire. And I'm Ashley. And, and this, this is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Oh my God, Ashley. Here we are. I can't believe we made it to this couch with these podcast equipments. <laughs> oh, me either. We're back. We're talking in unison again. And it's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I miss it so much. For those of you just joining us, Welcome for everybody else, the Who's With Tabs heads, the YF heads, the Lindsay Lohan listeners. We're back with our fourth attempt <laughs> at a podcast. Can you believe that anybody has perseverance like us? <laughs> I'll we'll get to this later, but Jessica Simpson does. Um, anyway, <laughs> the plug. Look at us. That's how you know that this is our fourth attempt at a podcast because already we're, we're doing callbacks, back. call forwards, <laughs> call to the sides. <laughs> We're calling every which way. You can call in later. No, you can't. This is pre-recorded. <laughs> this is pre-recorded, but someday you'll be able to call in. We'll say we've got we've got a caller on line six. No, we won't say it. A producer will say it. Oh, and then we'll say it too. We'll say caller six. What's your order? Because we'll be working <laughs> at Burger King, giving out the Travis Scott burger to people. Oh, am I dating myself? You guys are gonna know exactly what week we recorded this. Um, you're gonna know exactly when we recorded this and how often. We spend on TikTok instead of doing anything that will move our life forward instead of send us. Uh, on the <laughs> Travis Scott burger is bigger than TikTok. It's all over all the internets. Adults like Travis Scott too. Really? Yeah, it's huge on Twitter. Um, my boyfriend, who's not on any social media, posed that for dinner yesterday we get the Travis Scott burger. Did you? No, because he realized he actually doesn't like the burger that he gets. <laughs> what What is the burger that he gets? It's like a double bacon cheeseburger, a Sprite. It's like not a special burger. It's just his order. So it's a Sprite, barbecue sauce, and then like like a cheeseburger with bacon. That sounds kind of good. Yeah, I don't know what's not to like. I don't like barbecue sauce on my fries, but that's it. I don't like barbecue sauce on my... F you have to get the barbecue sauce on the fries, or can you just get it on the side? No, it's on the side, but presumably if you want to live like Travis Scott, Astro World. Do you know what? I actually lied. I do eat barbecue sauce on my fries. So perfect. You are Travis Scott. I'm I always know exactly that about you. like Travis Scott. <laughs> I have a baby with Kylie that isn't even my baby. I just like am paid to pretend it is. I mean, that baby is as much yours as it is Travis Scott. <laughs> so in that way, you are Travis Scott. In the sense that we are all not the father of Kylie Jenner's baby. We're not all not the father of Kylie. Someone's the father of Kylie Jenner's what baby. What nobody's the father of Kylie Jenner baby? She just like sperm banked it just because she was like, I need to fucking eat. I like can't <laughs> be in the spotlight for another minute. What if Chris was just like, we need to like get the next generation of Kardashian Jenners like out of the womb and into pre-production, which is childhood. <laughs> that is very possible. She is a genius. She's a mogul. Uh, <laughs> um, Ashley, yes. what would this chapter of your memoir be called? Walk us through your week. <laughs> okay. So my... This this week, this oh, wait, chapter of my... That, should we describe what Celebrity Memoir Book Club is? Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll change that in editing. Um, okay. Okay. So for those of you joining, we have a couple new things happening. One, the podcast. Two, the format. We will be editing. We'll, we, we will be bringing premium guests. We will be trying our best. We will have an amazing Instagram with throwbacks all the time. Polls, questions, quizzes, quiz shows. So please follow the Instagram at CNBC. No, it's Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Okay, it's Celebrity Memoir Book Club. And then on Twitter, we're CNBC Podcast. Podcast. Shout out real quick to Adrian Perels, our good friend, one of our better group chat members. <laughs> <laughs> she did the incredible art for our podcast that made our Instagram look so amazing and cohesive. Follow her 
art page. She does really cool, strong women, and she's coming out with merch soon. It's Adrian with an A underscore man pearl. It's so cool. Check it out. Yeah, do and check it out. Ashley, do you want to walk them through what exactly will be happening on this celebrity memoir book club podcast that okay. they couldn't figure out from the title? So a lot of people didn't see this coming. I'm about to throw a curveball. On this podcast, we're going to be reading celebrity memoirs and then uh, discussing them. Like what? Like what kind of group would do something like this? Like it's sort of this, the type of thing a book club might do. Interesting. But a book club that focuses on celebrity memoirs? I think that normally what a book club is, is a group, a large group of friends. They read a book and then they get together and they discuss it over wine. Me and Claire are each other's only friends. So we're going to be discussing these books over coffee. Um, yeah, I feel like book clubs are really for like moms who want for one hour a week to pretend they're not just talking about their kids. <laughs> and then instead they read the books and they go, do you know what? I read the first page and then I had to deal with my kids. Here's what they did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they just get drunk and go home. It's like for some reason, husbands are like, well, what are you doing? And they get to go to book clubs. There's very few few things that moms are allowed to do. We're not moms. Yeah. Can I just say my mom? My mom is in a book club, but she also is in a club that is just like a book club without the facade of books. They just like get together on Thursday nights and drink. And it's just like mom's drinking club. They like That's didn't even club. pretend. It's called Lost Ladies of Summer Thursdays um, or Ladies Only Summer Thursdays. I forget which, but it's Lost and they just drink on Thursdays. You know what? I will <laughs> say we could have done a book club like that, except for that it turns out when we have no topic, we really spiral out of control. <laughs> yeah, we need a guiding light. And we've decided it's books because you know what? Someday we're all going to forget how to read. And I don't want that day to be today for and me. Somebody needs to prescribe to memory, not prescribe. Somebody needs to subscribe. No. Perturb. Perturb to memory. Somebody needs to pedestal to needs to etch into memory. <laughs> Thank so God we literature now. <laughs> I'm getting dumber every day, but I'm doing it for you guys. We're going to get all the salacious gossip. We're going to get all the insight. We're going to get the back end, the behind the scenes, the deep thoughts of every celebrity who's ever read a memoir. And I'm so excited with this week. We're starting with Jessica Simpson. Who had a hit memoir come out like maybe a year ago at this point. It was this winter and it was when we decided to do the idea for this podcast. But then life got in the way. <laughs> yeah, there was a little I don't know if you've heard of it, a pandemic. <laughs> A little pandemonium. Um, yeah, pandemonium on the high seas. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we pressed pause on this plan, but now we're here. It's we're September. So it's one fiscal year later. And we, are <laughs> and we finally got our ass together to sit down and read 400 easy, easy pages. So before we get into Jessica, as you guys know, as returning listeners will know, before we can get into anybody else, we first must what? Get into ourselves. Ashley, what yes. would the chapter of this week of your memoir been called? This week, I would title my memoir, um, The Bitch Who Never Learns. <laughs> would, that, I, would that be the title of your memoir or the chapter? Have we decided which one we're doing? Um, I'm just going to call it the chapter because this is okay, the chapter. Okay, but I do think it would be the name of your memoir. It might also be the name of my memoir, but also a chapter because no, as The Bitch Who Never Learns, I might have forgotten that I named the book that. This is very like when you name the album after the single, but I don't think anyone's ever done that with literature before. So you're kind of like breaking the I'm medium. Shakespeare. I just created a new way of writing. I love that about you. Continue. Anyway, um, it is about how I'm back in the dating pool for longtime listeners. You might know that I went through a pretty gnarly relationship and oh my God, they don't even know. And then a handful of breakups. 
They don't even know about the month after the initial breakup of more breakups. A pocket full of breakups. Well, I was talking about the pocket full of breakups that occurred over the last, like during the relationship. But then there was like four more post relationship where I had to keep breaking up with him. Um, my boyfriend moved to Ohio in in a move that broke up with me. But then shortly after that, um, hours after he left, hours he after pulled he into left. the driveway of the new home in Ohio and decided he had made a huge mistake. Right. And so then he was like, I want to come back and I want to be together. And I was like, don't do that. So then that was me breaking up with him. But then he did do that. He did come back. And then I had to break up with him again. And then another time. Anyway, we're in the clear. And now I'm dating again. And I do feel like I'm making a lot of the similar mistakes. Oh, I am trying so hard to not be petty. I'm trying so hard to not judge people for it's just stupid so funny shit. That you it's could just be petty so and judgmental and then have ended up with like that literal freak that you were with for a year. Oh my god. If he listens to this and he hears that, I'd be so he's not a freak. He's just a bit of a a nut a nutter. And yeah, somebody was just And like that's a, what I like because I think I was just so sick. I'd been dating pretty consistently for like a while and I was just like, Well, this is a a project and I just like you know what I mean? And so then I did that. But this time, I'm not looking for a project. I just am, like, trying so hard to not be, like, a judgmental idiot who, like, backs myself into that same situation again. And I can, like, feel myself doing it. And I'm, like, so – I'm, like, grabbing a, a – I'm, like, scraping my nails against the rock as, as I fall off of it. I feel like you should <laughs> go to therapy before you go back in the dating world. Okay, Claire, there's a literal pandemic, and if I have to be alone for the winter, I'll kill myself. But I do think it would just take a couple of sessions for them to, like, I just think you have, like, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? I think you've just got, like, a bow out of place or something. I do think in, like, four weeks they could fix the main problems that are, like, leading you to date somebody with a literal personality disorder. And then I could be the bitch who sometimes learns. Yeah. I mean, I do think you could be the bitch who was taught. Okay. <laughs> that would be my... Well, stay tuned for next chapter. I don't know that this podcast, this friendship, and your 30s can handle another ex-boyfriend, like an, another boyfriend just like your ex-boyfriend. Like, at some point, the yeah, bitch has I to learn. I fully agree with that. <laughs> I anyway. I think maybe a tutor would help. Like, an emotional tutor of sorts. An emotional tutor to help me learn to read myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You need a book club for Ashley. Maybe via a Zoom therapy session. Anywho, Claire, what's your chapter this week? Um, oh my God, the name of my chapter would probably be You Can't Learn from TikTok. <laughs> you can. Colon. Transitions into adulthood. Oh, okay. It might be a, a section. I think it would be this, like a, a section. And I think... It would represent the part of my life where I am both like moving forward and like horrifically staying stagnant and also in Mm. some ways um, moving backwards. Because it's like, so I've spent the pandemic getting addicted to TikTok and trying to revamp my life as a 16 year old. I'm 27. I'm about to be 28 in a few weeks. I am spending all of my time on TikTok, literally trying to be Charlie D'Amelio. I'm trying to dance. I'm trying to throw it back. I bought cool pants off of a website. Okay. Can I just say that trying, there's, there's worse goals than trying to be Charlie D'Amelio. No, that's true. I mean, honestly, she's a role model for us all. I think she has a great head on her shoulders. She's got a good heart and she's got an incredible set of dance moves and such beautiful skin. Um, perfect teeth, cool nails. <laughs> I, she I loves actually, mac and cheese. Can she I loves say her the family. one thing that I don't like about her is her nails. I don't like that look. I don't like that look either, but I... I I think she pulls it off. I'll just say it's the one thing I don't covet. It's the one thing I don't covet either, but I do think that, like, Charlie knows best. And so if she says they're cool, then I bet they are. They are cool. 
I do think they're a little bit cool. cultural appropriation I'll say I'm not cool for not liking them. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so that's what I've been doing with the last seven months. Also, I my career, as you guys might have also experienced in the pandemic, kind of stalled out a little bit. This podcast, we had the idea for it in February. It's now September and we're sitting down to release. Um, so I would say that was seven months of doing absolutely nothing. I and will then, also say that we, in July, said September 1. After we put it up for like seven months, that's how we're doing. I will say that the thing about the pandemic is like this weekend, I made, I heard Old Town Road for the first time and I was like, oh my God, this song came out this time last year. And Mac was like, I don't think it did. And I was like, yeah, it came out like last spring, 2019. And he was like, it's not the spring now though. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like in my head, it's still like April, like now that it's like kind of cooler weather. I'm like, ah, things are just warming up for summer 2020 (laughs) and it's not summer 2020 just ended. It just, we just lost it. But, um, anyway, summer slipped away like a bottle of wine. It sipped away like a bottle of wine. Sipped away like a bottle of wine. Is that faster? Is that slower? Is it both? And that's the genius of Taylor. It is the genius of Taylor. Like it slowly at the beginning and then all of it once, all of that once, (laughs) (laughs) all of it once. But anyway, my more specific, so that's like the general theme of my week. But I'd say the specific instance is I've been watching a lot of home reno TikToks. The adult thing about me is that my boyfriend is moving in. So we're about to like combine lives. I'm not going to have roommates for the first time. And I feel like that is like a real step forward. It's a huge step forward. But also I've been watching a lot of TikToks that told me that you can renovate anything if you just like put some elbow grease into it. And let (laughs) me tell you, I have made a huge mistake. I have turned my living room into what can only be described as a child sex trafficking crack den. I would call it a child sex trafficking lobby. You don't even... You wouldn't even say it's a den. I wouldn't say it's the den where the kids are kept. I'd say it's the lobby where you come to, to yeah, buy we, some kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the front room where all of the <laughs> deals happen. And they say, oh, look at this beautiful flowered wallpaper. This must be a classy, classy den I in pulled there. the paint off of the walls. <laughs> and you guys, it turns out it was painted onto wallpaper, which was stuck onto wallpaper. And so, like, it just came off in sheets. It turns out under there, there's a lot of water damage. I have just a box spring in the middle of the bed <laughs> that I can't get rid of. I mean, it's a lot of... It's a lot of looking like shit. I'm also not really cleaning up after myself, so I'm pulling off paint and then leaving it on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking my sweet time, and it really does feel like I've gotten myself in over my head. I've taken a step into a project that now there's no way out but through. And I just think that, like, maybe I shouldn't have thought that what I saw on TikTok in a one-minute video could be applied to my own life. But that's that's the immaturity of me being launched into the adult life that I'm trying to embark upon. And so I think that that's what this – like, I think I'm entering into a new section of my life. And that's the central conflict yes. is that I emotionally am trying to regress while, as on paper, I'm trying to move forward. And there's going to be conflict. Yes, like you took your beautiful apartment. You now have a beautiful apartment that will have no roommates, so you had to make it a heinous apartment. <laughs> yeah, but based on something I saw children, I was like, oh, kids just rip walls off. Like, you know who just did this? Claudia Conway. I feel mm, like fucking she Claudia. And she's like, you know what would look really cool if I painted my whole room white and then uh, graffiti it, it, which is something we all thought at 15, but I am now no longer 15, and I shouldn't be making these mistakes. Yeah, I will say, on one hand, I do think that that – paint on wallpaper on wallpaper needed to come off at some point I do think it didn't have to be you yes and I do it's not even the paint on wallpaper on wallpaper as much as the water damage underneath (laughs) and the fact that now you're just like walking through a sea of paint chips every time you go to get a yeah it's like the holes in the wall of milk which you still drink (laughs) yeah I'm still drinking milk it's 
Yeah, how old am I? You know what I mean? I'm having a white claw and a milk for breakfast. That's not <laughs> what age is that? What I call that a a white white Russian. <laughs> and that is what I call the girls in the back of my room. So <laughs> white white Russians. <laughs> All right. I feel like should we should we end there on that perfect callback? On that perfect bit. Okay. You guys, is it time? I think it is. It's time for us to, to sit down and open book that's um this intro really sipped away like a bottle of wine and we are i don't know how many times you can say that <laughs> in one because i kept on thinking how funny it would be to pull the audio for that one taylor Swift song where she goes next chapter oh my god that would be really funny um and then my brain got stuck on the other taylor swift thing next chapter okay anyway <laughs> If you guys have it at home, feel free to pull it out and, and read along. And here's a quick little rundown if you didn't do the reading. Open Book by Jessica Simpson follows Jessica Simpson on her journey from growing up in Texas to auditioning for the Mickey Mouse Club and then becoming a teen gospel singer. She eventually found success as a pop star where she met and married Nick Lachey. Um, their marriage was captured on the hit reality show Newlyweds, which skyrocketed her to fame. Their marriage didn't make it. She went on to date John Mayer, Tony Romo. She also had a career in film. She talks about starring in The Dukes of Hazard and her life as Daisy Duke, how it affected her struggles with her weight and body image. Um, it also follows her struggles with her family, um, having her family so heavily involved in her career. Her dad was her manager for quite some time. She eventually meets her now husband. Um, they have three children together. She's also launched the Jessica Simpson Collection, a clothing line now worth a billion dollars. So here we go. First, I want to ask you, Claire, what were your opinions of Jessica Simpson before reading her book, Open Book? Okay, I think I never thought of her that much. I think in my recent years, pre-reading the book, it had suddenly dawned on me that she actually might have been one of the hottest ones with the best voice. I guess Christina also had a good voice, but I mm -hmm. felt like she should have been bigger than she was. Like, she shouldn't have just been a real, uh, reality TV star. Like, she sh she had the looks of Britney and the talent of Christina. I do feel like she wasn't given her due. And I also liked her line I think I owned a bikini from the Jessica Simpson line and I always felt like she did have a net like I was always like she actually secretly has clothes that I end up buying a lot by accident and so my feeling about her was she didn't get her due as a singer I always thought she like was really beautiful like unusually beautiful mm -hmm. and sexy of course I knew her as the Daisy Duke girl I knew that she wasn't meant to be that skinny I had always thought of her as being freakishly pregnant <laughs> like she was somebody who seemed to be pregnant like an when elephant she gets pregnant she gets pregnant I mean she's six months pregnant at conception it is <laughs> unbelievable the way her body works but it's like because I just understood her as like one of those tiny tiny women and there's nowhere for the baby to go but out and around and like up and down <laughs> um and so I like I kind of always felt for her because I was like she was not a woman who was put on this earth to be super skinny I had always heard she was deeply unhappy during the filming of um boots are made for walking or whatever that movie was called because she was so thin the Daisy I, Dukes yeah I was like Hazard. I was happy I always thought she had the most beautiful children mm -hmm. and I was happy for her that she just had some random hot husband I mean I always knew she was you know what I mean like yeah. I always knew of her she was never my girl and I never watched her reality show but I did always think she had more talent than she got credit for yes I think that in the same way that she got way more talent than she got she had way more talent than she ever got credit for she also had way like she like people hate her yes for some weird like I 
one of the like the most iconic memories I have of her is the way that when she was dating Tony Romo, when he like lost that one game and people just like lost their fucking minds that the reason he played poorly is because she was present. And I like couldn't I remember being like that is a weird path that like all of America has like gotten on board with yes um I will also say one people of my hate women so much is people hate women so much I remember seeing her in her little hat um at the game and being like she looks so cute in a hat in a jersey like that is I that- mean she's a real <laughs> Texas girl she's such a Texas girl um but anyway so I remember one of my earliest memories of her is the um, irresistible music video. I almost called it Invincible because I don't even care what the music is about or what the song is called. I just remember in the music video, she's like strutting in like a futuristic space compound situation wearing like the tightest, hottest leather outfit you've ever seen. I had a friend in college and we used to watch music videos all the time and like point out the hot parts. Like when like Joe Jonas would do this like thing with his eye, like a little like elevator eyes situation. And then, and I don't even like Joe Jonas. It just like was a really important millisecond of music video. And like Jessica Simpson, the way she's strutting in this one part of the irresistible music video, it is like one of the hotter moments in music video history. She's very sexy. She's she has huge boobs sexy. and a great voice. And it seems like that should have been enough to take her to the top of the pop charts. And yet somehow it wasn't. Somehow it wasn't. It is really, we can get into this later, but I think it's because her pop persona also wasn't a persona. Like there was no real identity to it. It was just like chasing pop. It was just chasing Britney Spears. And I think if they, yeah. I mean, we can get into this when we uh, get into the book and what we now know to be true. But she really is much like Christina. She was somebody who was dragged because of the the success of Britney was a failure of Jessica and right. it I think it kind of colored the rest of her music career it totally did and I think yeah like she did have like a pretty distinct persona when you're reading the book like there really is a angle there that you can see the music industry actively choosing to not capitalize on properly. The problem of Jessica, I think, that comes across in the book is that she is like a goody two-shoes Christian girl with an incredible gospel voice. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, she just had the largest pair of knockers that anybody had ever <laughs> seen in their lives. And they were like, listen, lady, we don't care how close you are to God. <laughs> Those tits are right in our face. And no, that's the angle we're going with. they did say we care how close you are to God. They were like, you've got tits like that and you're a virgin. That's a number one but they, hit. <laughs> but I mean, being a virgin is different than like loving God. They were like, we're yeah. going to we're going to sexualize your virginity. Right. They heard loving God and they said that means virgin. That's, that's hot. That's, that's a, like a different angle. That's your new angle. Her angle was like, I love the Bible. And they're like, no, your new angle is that you're untouched. And <laughs> like you've a, got these huge, huge tits and no one's even they're just like a un, they're like a what's it called? Like when a fresh coat of a blanket of snow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she was 17 at this point. Tell me, Rolo. Ashley, what was like one of the major themes that you clung to in the book? Okay. I think that one thing that was pretty clutch, honestly, is the approval seeking the like she really was like we were just saying all she wanted was approval. Like her dad was a pastor. And I do think I'm not saying that she like wouldn't have picked up the God thing otherwise. But I think the fact that that was like a major source of attention and approval as a kid is like being the priest or the pastor, the preacher's daughter. I don't know what you people so call it. So I'm really it. into Enneagrams. Uh-huh. And I would say she's definitely an Enneagram three from reading this book because uh-huh. the Enneagram three thing, they're like their internal motivation is to basically 
be successful in the eyes of others. It's like you take on what success is to the people closest to you and you do everything you can to look successful to them. And I would say you can see one of the great um, conflicts of Jessica is that outwardly her dad was a pastor. And so she tried really hard to be very godly and religious to like get that kind of Texas godly religious girl approval. Cause she was constantly right. surrounded by church people. She wanted them to think she was a good Christian, but then secretly her dad's true motivator was money. All right. he wanted to be was rich. She was became a pastor cause that was the highest paying job he could get until he got the next highest paying job. She talks about how her mom sold exercise videos because she saw exercise videos were making money through the church jump for jesus was what they were called they were like Like hands to heaven yeah seriously hold on do you mind if i just put it down for a sec so i can yeah exactly the the jazzercise video was called jump for jesus the company was called heavenly bodies and they would sell them out of the back of a church and it literally was i do think it was very important to her family to be rich and i think you see that later the way she's able to give up her singing career so wholly and go straight into the jessica simpson's collection go to it's like at the end of the day what she wanted was to make money and she even says when she's mm-hmm. little she would see them fighting over money and be like i'm gonna be the one who stops their fighting by making a lot of money and i do think her career is very interesting to me i compare it to like kim kardashian i say she's the kim kardashian but instead of a sex tape she had singing because singing was her entree into the world but ultimately right. what she was was a money-making machine and when singing didn't work out she jumped ship and found something that did and like i think the the way that like her parents were so she auditioned for the mickey mouse club when she was very young yes um and the way that her parents dropped everything when it looked like she might get it she was like in the final i think like 12 right before they narrowed it down to a final eight and um like the way that they were truly like they went they they were out at disney world for like the final auditions and all that stuff and they were like discussing how they would just like take ashley out of school And, like, just move their entire family. He would quit his job. Like, every they would just drop everything if it meant she was on TV. And then once they had that first taste, they were, like, flying her around, recording these gospel albums, just, like, doing anything to, like, recapture that feeling of success that they'd had when she was, like, 12. And, like, all she wanted, like, you could see the toll it was taking on her. All she wants is her father's approval. Yeah, she has a very tricky relationship with him where it's... And it's interesting because it's not resolved. I think that's another interesting like yeah. theme throughout the book. Not theme, but like constant presence of the book is she wants her dad's approval so badly and she's so angry at him. It's clearly she's not done in her, with her work in therapy. She's still so mad about him. She talks about how when she was about to give birth to her first daughter, Maxwell, Maxie Drew, um, <laughs> the largest baby that's ever been known to man. Yeah, it was like a 14 pound baby. Didn't she like keep on delivering fucking like turkeys? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what she was doing. I think it's gestational di- diabetes. Like, I She's think- like the tiniest woman who's had only the largest babies. Her babies are like fully one fifth of her whole weight. <laughs> um, and she's like giving birth to her own leg. But <laughs> when she's there about to give birth, her dad tells her that he's going to divorce her mom and that Jessica is the one who gave him the strength to do so. And that like fucked her up real bad. She's like, don't yeah. tell me I'm the reason you and mom are getting divorced. But I think it's also really interesting. She barely acknowledges the fact that we know from outside that her dad is gay and that's why the marriage ended. She right. never talks about it in the book. There's like one throwaway line at the end when she marries Eric, her husband, who she married after she had her first kid. And she's like, my dad brought his friend Randy or something. And yeah, like that- a model that he was now managing. He was yeah. always bringing these young male models that he was the manager of to parties. But it's like <laughs> she casually mentions it. And it's like, we know that he's gay from the tabloids and stuff, but it's like, she can't even handle that. It's amazing 
how unresolved her relationship with her dad is. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. And she talked about how he lost her a lot of money. He burnt a lot of bridges. He never said no. He made a lot of yeah. bad deals on her d- behalf. A and lot of bad he deals. He hated Nick. He hated Nick. Um, yeah, her her obsession with like, and she also like actively in that last scene, she like talks about how she, the music is about how she's like mad at her dad, but she like still needs him to hear it and say it's good. Yeah, I think that's like a very common experience. I think mm-hmm. that was like a very relatable part of the book of being like, <laughs> I want to be angry at you in a way that's sanctioned by you for specifically for like parental Yeah, and, like, they did, speaking of, like, Nick and her dad and this, like, obsession with approval, like, she did have just, like, this intense innocence that because, like, she became famous so young and her dad was her manager, I think that he kind of reveled in her dependence on him. And it, like, her identity was this innocent girl, but there were a lot of people, like, actively shoving her into this innocent persona where, like, she really was kind of incapable of managing her life on her own. Like she had her dad managing her affairs. Then she started dating Nick, who was a little bit older than her and was really obsessed with the fact that like he had been doing the show business thing longer. He had been famous longer. He was much more famous than her. So he was kind of showing her the ropes and she was very dependent on him for that. And then John Mayer really like fetishized her innocence and like preyed on it. It was really weird how like, all she, of the men at one life. point says she thinks he respected and envied her relationship to God because he didn't have anything he believed in like that. And I'm like, I don't think that that's true. Heart, I don't think that's sweetheart. true at all. I think he like almost was looking down on her and he thought it was like this funny little country bumpkin. I think he really like used it to make her exactly a stereotype that he was into. I like a fetish exactly like this like sweet little country girl who just likes to sing to her Lord. Yeah, I think that like all of these men in her life were truly like preying upon the fact that she did just like trust and want their approval. Like all she wanted was like them to say like, good job. We respect you or something. I don't even know what she wanted. It just like, I don't know. She even at one point refers to Nick as having like a paternal energy. And it's like the fact that you married this man who you view as like, you're like, okay, well if I can't have my dad be my like, dad like I can't like live with my dad forever so I'll like marry and move in with a different dad what (laughs) yeah I mean she definitely needed to be approved she um should we get into her childhood the bullying (laughs) yes she is definitely somebody who set herself up to get male approval from the beginning I think she was always very sexy sexy she got breasts very young she had those knockers Right yeah, and I mean, she talks about in middle school how girls didn't like her, and her she had the, this quote that she's like, "Sure, maybe the men only liked me for my boobs, but at least they were nice to me for some reason." And she was really proud of the fact that she was part of a youth club at the church, and that uh, one of the women who ran it would joke that they used Jessica to get the boys involved, and then they had to spend the other half of their time keeping the boys off of Jessica. And you, could, she's a real pick me girl, is what comes she's across to me. She's a real pick me girl, and it is weird to me that line of how she was like very aware of the fact that like because she was this hot young thing, it was like her like godly path to be like 
a like sex object for like like waving a red flag in front of a bull to like get it to run but instead she was like trying to like get them to run into church like, i know it's really she like out. i mean you can see how from a very young age she was told you're really beautiful that's your gift here we're g-, and like adults that were constantly exploiting her beauty and like the name of god so of course if you're doing it for god there's gonna be no problem in doing it for music like she had just been set up her whole life to be yeah. told girls are never gonna like you because you're too pretty boys are gonna like you because you're sexy so say sexy do everything you can to be sexy to them but then it's so like but then you don't have to feel bad about it because it's all in the name of god and like i don't know i did find i don't think i would like her if i knew her as a person i did feel that her book was pretty vulnerable and open but i i still was like if you were in my seventh grade class i also would have bullied you like, look, not yeah. that we're condoning, but we had this conversation already. I'm not condoning the bullying, but I do see how you would fucking hate her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other day, Claire was like, she deserved to be bullied. And I was like, no, she did not deserve to be bullied. It was, she was just like a very easy, like, I can see why the girls wanted to bully her. Like, she talks about how, like, this one girl hated her because um, the guy that that girl liked, like Jessica instead. And she was like, but I just couldn't help it being this hot, hot hot little thing <laughs> and it's like and, I mean she experienced some true bullying I know yes. all celebrities like to say they were bullied because they didn't get asked to prom or they were bullied because their own best friend fought with them but it's like I don't know there's fighting with your friends that's there's being a kid and then what Jessica went through actually was serious bullying she was um we haven't even really gotten to yeah. the fact that she was molested as a child oh yeah we haven't gotten to the fact that she was molested that was that is heinous um I'll say that she that was, was mol- molested by another child. And then yes, that's, this is a very common. A slightly older child. Because uh, child on child crime, which means that, of course, that child had been molested by probably an adult. Yes. Because that's what makes kids do that is that they're being molested. So they turn it on somebody else. For years, she was being molested by a family friend that they would go and visit. And um, already, you know, what I mean? she was very sexualized from a young age. And like that mm-hmm. will fuck you up. And that will teach you that you're nothing but a sex object. And so when another adult at church is like, no, I agree with that little girl that you're nothing but a sex object. Like she had been told right. from and the beginning you're a sex object. When she told her parents, they all they did was just stop hanging out with that family, which she's like, and I give them credit for that. And it's like, no, they should have done something. Like it's this weird. I read an article about this. I forgot what it's called the other day, but about that like type of family that is like very close knit. You spend a lot of time together, but like there's no emotional communication whatsoever. So like you have these people that you would like, you're like, we're very close. We would do anything for each other. We're always there for each other, but you're like so emotionally repressed because you like with the people that you're like pseudo closest to, you like don't open up to in any way. Do you know what I mean? It's Mm. like the same as being Jewish. It's like, (laughs) Um, you like, it's like this, she finally opened up to her parents about this like incredibly traumatic thing that was happening to her and they were just like almost completely silent about it. Yeah. And so, I mean, you just see from the, the whole time she was told you're a sex object and Mm -hmm. she just wanted her dad to love her and she became rich, but she in seventh grade had this experience where she shared that with a girl she was friends with. Mm Mm-hmm. A boy like Jessica instead of the girl that she was friends with since the girl turned on her. Right. Told everybody in school that Jessica had molested her. Yeah. Jessica was a lesbian. They like TP'd her house. They graffitied they, like, her house. They her. They all made yard. fun of her. They called her a lesbian constantly. She went home. She had to like leave school for two weeks because she because was so. Because people were like harassing. I mean, to in like the, what was it? The 90s in Texas. Yeah. Maybe even the 80s. Like late 80s. And to be called a lesbian and anywhere but especially texas like that is dangerous yeah they'll kill you they They were (laughs) killing people (laughs) 
So she was, I'll give her this. The bitch was bullied. <laughs> Truly. I will say if people are coming to your house and doing physical things, when she came back to school, her locker had been stuffed with garbage. Yeah. I mean, look, every girl has been mean to another girl. Every girl has had another girl be mean to them. But when it like, but like, when they're like targeting your house and it's the whole school and apparently she was at a pep rally, the whole school started chanting lesbian at her. Yeah. And it's just like, what were the teachers doing? Like, this seems like very blatant attacking, like not, I w- not even bullying, like attacking. Yeah. <laughs> that like no one was coming, that they were just like, oh yeah, it's okay if she doesn't come to school for two weeks. Like that was their big fix. What? <laughs> Texas in the 80s, man. It wasn't necessarily the safest place to be a gay teen. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear that girl's side of the story. Like, what if Jessica had molested her? I guess it does. There is a chance that that's true because, you know, uh, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. I mean, and even, I don't know. It's just like, God, what a t- I would love to hear that girl's side of the story. Would that be funny like- if they were at a sleepover and Jessica had been like, no, let's just like kiss <laughs> i'm not allowed to kiss boys so we can just like kiss each other to practice for god <laughs> yeah practice when when we get older and we can kiss god on the mouth um anyway should we move on from the bullying and how that potentially contributed to her alcoholism <laughs> yes wait hold on um yeah her alcoholism <laughs> So the book starts with one of my favorite tales I've ever heard, which is that she has a rock bottom as an alcoholic um, and has an intervention while she's getting her hair done. Um, She simply could not make time for an intervention aside from the hours you wait while having your hair highlighted because there is a lot of downtime when you're getting your hair done. That's true. And also she had flown in these stylists specifically from Brooklyn. She had flown in her colors from Brooklyn and then she actually had two of the top extensions girls in L.A., a town notorious for having extensions on babies um, <laughs> come in and do her extensions. So I do believe that she could not have rescheduled that. And she was doing outpatient rehab. She couldn't like, she couldn't just let her hair go to shit. No, she totally. was still going to be seen out and about. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think that, okay. So I will say it does seem to me like she had an enormous problem. Um, the book opens with her having a 7am drink before her daughter's like Christmas or Halloween play. Um, which appeared to be like a 9 a.m. assembly or something. Yes. <laughs> because she has too much too much anxiety going to school events because as a recognizable person, she doesn't like that the other parents like look at her and notice her. And so that's why she has to drink before. I have to that. say, though, I kind of like, I mean, I'm sorry, but a private school in L.A., she can't be the only famous one in the bunch. I mean, completely. I completely agree. And I also think that there's like a little like, well, like my anxiety, my anxiety I believe that like anxiety led to drinking and stuff. But at some point, like you're drinking for the sake of drinking. Like I do think she was like, I don't, you know what I mean? I right. think it was just the habit of she's an alcoholic. So like she, I mean, I think that there's the book paints it in a very shiny way. Like she literally just goes cold Turkey. Like after the intervention, she has one more drink to like say goodbye. And she's like, I know, I know, but I just wanted one. And, like, the way she she calls her drinks glitter cups because she pours, like, Perrier and vodka into a shiny cup. Like, it's all so, like, after-school special. Like, and then throughout the book, she talks about the way that she'd been taking Tylenol PM to go to sleep since she was, like, 12. She, like, there is a lot of, like, pill and alcohol dependency happening for, it seems like, pretty hefty reasons. 
And then she talks also about she came from a Baptist family where nobody drank. When she met Nick, nobody in her family drank. And they like couldn't believe Nick, who was 26, 27, yeah. would have a beer after a after a show. They'd be like, are you sure? She was 18 at the time. And um, by within a year or two of her moving to Hollywood, her parents were out clubbing every night. Like it really was amazing how being in Hollywood took a hold of her whole family. And they were so I mean, I really do think that for her dad, the Jesus thing was just a money making scheme until he could he got his daughter as a money-making scheme. Like yeah. he was happy to go to clubs. He was happy to be seen out and about. He was happy to live that lifestyle. And she talks about, she's like, well, when you're in the music industry, so many deals happen over dinner. So many deals happen out at clubs. And I'm just like, yeah, you could get a water. I don't know. I do think they were excited to get rid of all of their former values and yeah, take and on I the value of capitalism. I completely, I mean, her dad, like the way that you see him, like, kind of like parlaying to bigger and bigger churches throughout their childhood to try and make like it really isn't about and I, yeah, God at one point at any he gets point. out of uh, being a pastor to work for Pitney and Bowes and like sell printer ink or something you know what I mean yeah. it really was just who's paying me the most and then you and like he is a mastermind like I saw an article one time like painting the relationships of Jessica Ashley and Ryan Cabrera and like the way that like um, Jessica and Nick the way their relationship sort of like ebbed and flowed with the starts and ends of newlywed seasons. And then the way that Ashley's like Ashley had that show and like her and Ryan Cabrera's relationship like started and ended based on album releases and season premieres. And then he had Ryan Cabrera had a show and Joe Simpson repped all of them. Um, Ryan, Ashley and Jessica, not Nick, obviously, because Nick had a real manager who obviously wasn't as good as Joe Simpson because who the fuck is Nick Lachey now? (laughs) Um, But anyway, Joe Simpson truly was the original Chris Kardashian. Like he was manipulating their like lives and tabloid headlines based on when he could parlay that into like views, CD sales, like all of that. It was it was masterful. Yeah, I mean, he pushed her to the brink uh, until she cut him out and said no more. So he was maybe too good at his job, one could argue. But it's interesting. I think one of the things that the book paints very clearly that I don't even know that she knows how weird it is is when you're a celebrity of that magnitude, the way that you are the pro like you're a billion dollar product in the same way that yes. like a Coca-Cola is a billion dollar product. But the thing is a Coca-Cola doesn't have feelings and gets tired. And when you now have a network of people whose livelihoods of, like relies on you staying working, staying busy, staying this image of yourself that you've created, they will forget that they love you and they will almost only care about the image and the, product of Jessica Simpson and I think right something she does is she felt so hugely that it was on her shoulders to make not just her parents money but she talks about how her choreographer is her childhood dance teacher who's her mom's best friend her other's mom's friend housekeepers her everyone who works for her is someone she grew up with like her yeah her mom runs Jessica Simpson her mom's best friend is the other person who runs Jessica Simpson her dad's her manager like she financially supports the neighborhood her three best friends who um, do her intervention are her like make are her PR woman Lauren, uh, Casey Cobb who she met at A and R when she started out with Sony, yeah, who is now her personal assistant, and then the third one is um fuck it's somebody else who works for her. It's all it's all people who work for her. 
everyone in her life has oh, is her, on the um, payroll. Her events planner. Yes. Her events planner, Riri, is the third person who's at her intervention. Coco, Kiki, and Riri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all have dumb names. And, like, they're all on her payroll. And she talks about how her thing is her house is always full of people because she's always hosting these events for all of her friends. And it does remind me it's, like, a way of controlling situations where it's, like, if you're always throwing the most elaborate birthday party, then everybody always has to come to you even if it's their birthday. If you're right. always having the Halloween party, why would anybody say no? If you're always having the most elaborate thing at your house, everyone can come to you and you can really control your world that way. But also then you create this, like, codependent like parasitical relationship with everybody yeah. where they're relying on you financially. Like and for her birthday, she like flew all of her friends out to like the Bahamas or something. And like oh, for the, her 30th for when her they 30th. went to Italy and yeah. live oh, on yeah. that yacht. Yeah. But I would say even weirder than that is when you pay for somebody else's birthday, because yeah. then it's like now your birthday is actually indebted to me and it's on my terms. Like to have your friend's birthday be at your house. Now Jessica doesn't have to leave her house where she's created this safe compound where her mom runs her mm-hmm. business and her dad is her manager and her housekeeper is her family friend and her, you know what I mean? Like I do think she has this way of on the one hand, she feels personally responsible for everybody in her life financially, which is a bad place to be. But then also nobody in her life can ever be honest with her because they're all dependent on her financially. Right. Yeah. And I think it made her, I mean like you really see it in the way that she like during the intervention, the the way that they talk about how they've been trying to figure out how to approach it for quite a while now And, like, her takeaway from that was, like, I can't believe they were talking without me. Like, she can't believe that her friends have a relationship outside of her. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? They were talking behind my back, and she was, like, mad at them. They're, like, we knew you would be mad at us. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's interesting. I feel like I watched the Amy Winehouse documentary, which really, like, opened my eyes to this. But it's really dangerous when everybody in your life Mm -hmm. needs you for their business, needs you to feed their children. Because if you become an alcoholic, if you get out of control, nobody can tell you no. Right. Because... I mean, they don't want to be cut off. And also, they don't want to stop the Jessica Simpson train. If she had gone to rehab and stopped making money, they would have all been out of a job. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone would have stopped making money for that period of time. Like, and that's why, honestly, the Jessica Simpson collection has been such a, like, sure, it's, like, her biggest moneymaker as a person. But, like, the way that that can just, like, keep on chugging without her making appearances is, I think, like, what keeps that family yeah, they're all. Re- I mean, now and Close. then they threw <laughs> Ashley in the spotlight. Ashley really doesn't even get any credit in the book until she starts her own singing career. Yeah, she's almost irrelevant until she starts making money. And I don't think that's something Jessica's aware of. But I think the narrative of her family was so you're only valuable if you're making money. So when she looks back at her story, mm-hmm. her childhood, she doesn't even think about the fact that like Ashley existed because in her family. Ashley didn't exist until she started making her own money and then she started getting attention. And so I think that that's like one of those things she took, like if her parents were telling the story of their childhood, I don't know that Ashley would have come up either until she started being a pop star as well. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. It's also interesting how it is still to this day, this weird situation where like Jessica Simpson is the star and Ashley Simpson is the sister, even though, a, when you look back on it, Ashley's music was way better. I think Ashley had a better, I think of Jessica Simpson she as... She had an identity. I think of Jessica Simpson as a pop, I mean, as a pop culture icon, a pop mm-hmm. culture personality, a reality star. I think of Ashley Simpson as like a former singer. Yeah. And Ashley Simpson, I think that the SNL thing like really fucked her up. Yeah. It like really put like a black mark on her entire career. Um, but then she was able to rise from the ashes, marry a pop pump pop punk icon Pete Wentz have a baby with him I mean Pete Wentz he was huge 
a member of the Ross family. I mean, now she's who back on E. Rose from the ashes more than her. Like she Ashley gets no and Evan Katz Ross have one of the cutest little girls I've ever seen too. I just think that to be the girl with like the music career that people call forgettable, even though when you listen to the hits, they fucking slap. Um, I was in Ashley Simpson all last summer and I was like, wow, this music holds up. It does. It's incredible. It's great driving on the, driving to the beach in a car in August music. It is such good music. And then, and now like Diana Ross is her mother-in-law. I mean, incredible. She, came out a star well, and too do, and we don't even think about it <laughs> i think it really goes to show i feel like we have great insight into the music industry now because as you guys know we come from a britney spears background we've now read <laughs> the jessica simpson book i do think it's amazing how so much of being a celebrity is authenticity mm-hmm. and people kind of like act like that's not true i mean one of the things that gets my goat the most is when people act like all of these pop stars are just puppets that the industry creates but it i have to say me. in order to be successful you cannot be a puppet and there's no better Example of that than somebody like Jessica Simpson, who had the look, had the talent, was told to be Britney Spears, never caught on, only became truly successful and famous when she had a reality show where she felt she was being her true self. She was burping. She was being stupid. She was having problems. She was she could portray herself as she was and that's when people liked her people love authenticity and that is that sounds silly because it sounds like is it doesn't everybody have an authentic self but like not everybody really does not everybody everyone has an authentic self it's just some people's authentic selves are boring not engaging, and also some people not fun i don't think everyone can be authentic on tv ever not to be authentic in front of a crowd and hold on to the authenticity in a way that like acknowledges your star rising, but also yeah. doesn't become a star. Like it's a very difficult. Balance. I think that like one of the things that Britney did that really set her apart in the beginning during this time when you had no social media, no way to show yourself. If you think about it, like one of the most iconic things about Britney is like the funny looks she would do on stage, like right before the lights cut or like right as the music was coming up, she would like give a funny look to the audience or like during interviews, she would trip over words and then be like, blah. And it's like, that is really like where she showed her personality and why people were head over heels for her. And then you see Jessica and she was That's trying so hard. That's literally until not true. she had a reality show. That's not true. They literally she gave her literally, um, media training. Cause she kept saying dumb things to the media. Yeah. They never aired it because no one gave a shit about her. That's not true. She was a laughing stock for her Arthur Ashe mistake. She like kept saying oh. stupid things publicly. Then why she didn't was never anyone like her? What? She was trying because maybe she was just trying so hard to not be. I think just her music wasn't that good because it was like nobody wants to listen to gospel sex music. Yeah. I mean, but her music wasn't the stuff that charted at any point wasn't. It was just very like in the shadow of like you wasn't hear, that good. It didn't like fit her. It didn't fit her because you could hear how it was like. Britney's music was then funneled into Christina music, which was then funneled into Jessica music, which was yeah. then so boring by the time it came out. No one wanted to hear it. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. It just like she really because you I don't know. I feel like when you're reading in the book, she was like so uninterested. They'd be like, well, they pre- presented me with like 20 songs to choose, like 20 demos to pick from for my next album. And I picked a couple and they were fine. And it's like she's so like uninvolved in the process of it. Yeah. And I think her, the only song that I think of hers when I think back on a hit is, um, what, like with you, which is a song oh, she I helped write. Irresistible. But, but I with think you was good. I don't think irresistible charted as well as with you. Probably not. And it came out in conjunction with, the, um, her reality show, but also she helped write it. And I feel like that did make a difference. Yeah. 
Yeah, it must have. I almost think because she also doesn't seem that bothered by the lack of success of her music career. Yeah. And to me, that's like bronze medal syndrome where it's like Britney was in first. Christina was in second. Jessica was like tied for third with a bunch of other women. She was just happy to be there. And I think, yeah, and she I also was just think like happy to make the podium. She didn't even want to be a singer. I think ultimately yeah. she really wanted to be rich. And what she wanted was to be able to support her family. And she did that. And yeah. music was her on, as I said, like music got her in the door, but then right. Jessica Simpson collection got her across the line. The reality show got her across the right. line. She was only passionate about music because she liked the way people responded to the fact that she could sing. Well, people would always say that her voice was like given to her by God. No, she would say that about herself. She'd be like, God gave me this voice. God sure. speaks through me. <laughs> but other people said that she had a good voice and, and she, she was like, that's God. that she liked yeah. hearing people. She liked compliments and approval. Yeah. And I do think she like saw this as a way to be rich and she, it was, she was right. But I do think she doesn't care. Like she doesn't seem to have any interest in going back and singing and yeah. I mean, no, she did. She recorded all that music. Yeah. But it seemed, it wasn't like, I don't know. She doesn't want to be like, she's not she did one album. Yeah. I mean, she's Jessica Simpson and she could have done more if she had wanted to, she could have gone back, but it really seems like, yeah, it seems like it's just something that she like, th- cause she has a recording studio in her house. One thing that I think is really funny is the way that she like just follows in the footsteps of Ozzy Osbourne like newlyweds was like really the next iter like the Osbournes was like the first one newlyweds was the second one and like no one else had really done that and now she lives in Ozzy Osbourne's old house and like uses his old recording studio to like make and it's like wow that is what an interesting thing to track the Osbourne (laughs) next thing you know she's gonna be like eating the head off a bat and that's how coronavirus started um oh my god Do you have any final comments on Jessica? What do you think of her now? Do you like her? Yeah. I mean, I do. I think that she has work to do on herself. I think there's, I think that there was like a real facade of openness in this open book. I agree a hundred percent. I do like her. Like, I think she's really sweet. And I think that she, I like want the best for her. I don't feel negatively towards her, but I do think that there is like, I think that we would have to, know her for quite a long time to poke holes in this wall she's put up. I agree. I feel like she gave us like 8% honesty in the book. And even that 8% was so salacious. And in our next episodes, we'll get into like the specifics of the gossip, the real call outs. But I do think like she gave us some good stuff. I think there was a lot more stuff she could have given us. She chose not to. Yeah. And I I agree with you the way she just one day decided to get sober and was, I think she kind of like covers up a lot of stuff, but I do think, but I think part of it is that she's also like she's, it's not that she's not honest with us. I think part of it is that she's not able to be honest with herself entirely. Yeah, and I think a lot of NDAs have been signed. And then, but also, I um, I don't think I would have liked her as a person. I definitely think no. she's like an annoying <laughs> Christian girl who's kind of like righteous and like, I mean, she's definitely not my type of girl. But no, but I do think she is a, a full person. I think. It's worth a read if you're interested. I would have loved to go to the parties. I love a neighborhood party. I love the person who loves to plan stuff and have people over because I love going to that type of thing but not planning it. Um, But I do think I would have been, like, annoyed by her often. She does not feel down to earth. No. (laughs) Everything is, like, a a pageant. Yeah. Um, I also don't like anybody who's, like, thinks that they have the righteousness as as backed up by God. That's hard for me. Yeah. I think religiousness is complicated because it really is this, like, I don't know, almost, like, narcissistic to believe that there's, like, a higher power that gave you your... I mean, she really does believe that God told her to do a lot of these things and that she is God's voice and that, like... Yeah. I mean... uh, 
she's like, if God could do it, I could do it. And I was like, that's actually a pretty big shoes to fill. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I'm excited. There's overall, a lot of I juicy really stories. The book. There's a lot of juicy stories in here. We Next episode, we have amazing guest Ashley Hesselstein yes. is on talking about her experience with the book. And then we will get into some hot gossip and come back. We hope you guys liked our first episode. Yeah, I really hope you guys liked it. If you did, leave a review, perhaps. Please, that'll change our lives. It would it would really make us anew. Um, and uh, yeah, may your life be an open book. 